This is a Soulfire production. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I have a very special guest for today's show, one of my dearest friends and clients, Sam Pantazopoulos. Sam is the co-founder and CEO of Visor, a social wellness platform on a mission toward democratizing wellness. If you follow me on social media, I'm sure you have seen me posting about Visor. The way that it works, it's an amazing app. It's really simple and a win, 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 win in every direction for everyone. So you go to the app store, you download it. And if you walk 10,000 steps in a day, or you work out for 30 minutes and that gets tracked, you know, through your phone, just in the health app, it'll track it, or it can connect to a wearable device like a Fitbit. So that's tracking your activity. So if you either, you know, walk 10,000 steps, get in 30 minutes of exercise, or if you take a workout class through one of the studios that Visor has partnered with, so you can check out what, what studios in your area are part of the rewards program. If you do any of those, then you unlock this little ability to click a button, <laughs> you click the button to have a meal donated through a local food bank to somebody in need. So different companies sponsor these meals. So it's totally free for you to use. And when you press donate, not only are you helping someone in need get a free meal through the food bank, but you also get different rewards points and you can redeem those at different restaurants in your area. So like I go to Parakeet a lot or Takaya, if you guys know those those in my area. So it's going to depend where you live. So you could redeem those points to get something free at a local restaurant or to get different free products. Visor posts about it depending on the companies they're partnering with. And now they're expanding out into different stores as well. So like I'm looking at my app right now and I have a bunch of reward points and I could use those at somewhere like Rite Aid or Walmart as well. And it's totally free for you to use. And I'm sure most people listening to this podcast, you probably exercise for 30 minutes most days and or walk 10,000 steps. So it's a really great way to get rewarded for your movement and give back in the process. I mean, you might as well if you're already moving and if we can you know, support people who need meals, let's do it. Plus we can get some free stuff in the process. So Definitely download this app if you don't already have it. Again, it is totally free to use. There are really no cons. And as I have this app open right now, over 3,550,000 meals have been donated through Visor. That is so cool. It's spelled V-I-Z-E-R. I'm sure you can see it in the title slash show notes of the podcast. But throughout this episode, we talk about just the different layers of wellness, what that really means. I think a lot of us have had interesting relationships with health and nutrition in our bodies over the years. I mean, that has been a main focus of this podcast for so long. And what I love about Visor is it really just offers us an opportunity to positively shift our relationships with wellness and movement and really discovering what that means for us. So in this episode, we talk all about every aspect of wellness, how Sam came up with the idea for Visor. Sam is one of the most intelligent people I know. She blows my mind every time I chat with her. She also does brand strategy. So if that's something that you are looking for, I would reach out to her. I have hired Sam for a different brand strategy consulting and she is truly incredible. So I wanted to mention that as well. And, you know, we met 
through many of you know our friend Kaylee, co-founder of Clearstem Skincare. She's been on the show many times. So we met through Kaylee a few years back and then it was just brief. And then Sam came in for energy healing and she was an energy healing client for a bit. And then we've become friends and she's still a regular. And so we also talked about spiritual wellness and how much that has been such an important part of her journey as an entrepreneur. Her business mind is truly incredible. She is an entrepreneur that I just have so much respect for and admiration for. And if you are an entrepreneur or interested in entrepreneurship or personal development, Sam is somebody that you definitely want to take some notes from. It is so incredible what Sam and her team are building at Visor. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about when I'm talking about shifting paradigms and you know getting in there and not just talking about changes we want to see, but actually making them and creating different structures and technologies to create the world we want to live in. And that is what Sam is doing with Visor. So if you want to learn more, you can head to visorapp.com, V-I-Z-E-R-A-P-P.com. And on Instagram, their handle is at visorapp. You can find Sam at Sam Pantazopoulos on Instagram. That will all be in the show notes. And of course, just head to the app store and download Visor ASAP so you can start donating and start earning rewards. Super excited for you guys to hear this episode. So enjoy this conversation with Sam Pantazopoulos. I am so excited to announce that my next book, Pain, Love, and Purpose, is releasing on 11-11-2022 the best way to celebrate my favorite day of the year. This is truly unlike anything I have ever released before, and I can't wait to see how you like it. It's a collection of poetry, and all of the poems in this book are about either pain, love, or purpose. They detail different experiences, emotions, and relationships from my own life, a lot of the moments that made me who I am. And it's through exploring these different experiences that the poems really tell a story of how we can find wisdom within our emotions, how we can alchemize our emotions, how we can heal from difficult experiences to become the most empowered versions of ourselves. And ultimately how sometimes it's pain that cracks us open enough to feel the things we need to feel and face the truths that we need to face so that we can reconnect with deeper love in our own lives and discover what purpose really means for us. Book launches are certainly a community effort, and that is why I appreciate your support so much. And if you are wondering what the best way is to support me in this launch, it is to purchase the book the day of release on 11.11. It will be available on Amazon. I will send out the links. And for anybody who does purchase day of launch, you will receive a ticket to a live virtual reading event where I am going to read a selection of poems from the book and dive deeper into the stories behind them, as well as my book writing process. Mark it on your calendar to purchase 1111. You can also sign up to get notified so that you don't have to remember on your own about when the book releases and bonuses that are available. You can go to painloveandpurpose.com and you'll find all of the information there. So I like to start every episode with a guest with some questions to get to know you better. Are you ready? Let's do it. Do you already know about this? No. Oh, good. I love to surprise you. So first is, how do you like to start your day? What's your morning routine? It changes every single day, I feel, which is a good thing because I used to have a very structured morning 
And now I probably spend like five to 10 minutes right when I wake up asking what I want to do with my morning. So some days I work out, some days I meditate, other days I have this like journal prompt thing that I do. And then sometimes I just like listen to Spotify in bed. Love that for you. Remember when you used to, didn't you used to like do face, face steaming? No. Didn't you? I don't <laughs> think so. It was a one-time thing. I swear I saw you on your stories with a facial steamer. I've always wanted one, but I've never actually tried it. Maybe I saw that for you psychically. Maybe it's something I should try. I think I told you to do that one time in a session. I asked for one for my birthday and I didn't get it. Hmm. Here we are. I guess well, like your birthday's <laughs> coming up soon. So here we are again. <laughs> okay. Love that. Next is what is a product you are really enjoying right now? It could be food. It could be a supplement. It could be a book, anything physical. I got this, another Amazon purchase, but what's it called? The frother? Yeah. That. So yeah. Christina actually made these incredible lattes and it was this whole experience <laughs> where she would make it and it had all this foam. And I thought that you could recreate that foam using one of the little stirs. Yeah, no, The battery no, no. parts are not possible. So I was actually using the mushy love. Uh-huh. And that's how I found out about the frother. Yeah. And then I bought a frother and now it's the highlight of my morning. How do you make your mushy love? I put it directly into the foam mm-hmm. in the frother. Do you use almond milk or what do you use? I do. Mm-hmm. I kind of switch. I was using the three trees mm-hmm. for a while and now it's the one. Milk? Yeah. Yeah. I'm using that now. But you just put it directly in, mix it all up together, and then I make a tea separately decaf because I don't do caffeine. What tea? It also varies, but I just got this rose one oh. from Gelson's. Uh-huh. So it's like rose mushroom kind of blend. And then when you put the topper on, it just... There you go. Wow. I feel less special because now uh, you can make your own Christina latte at home. It's infinitely better when somebody makes something for you. That's very true. That's very true. I love to make you lattes, so... <laughs> you still can. <laughs> okay, good. Amazing. Next is, what's your astrology, sun, moon, and rising? You probably know better than I do. So my sun is Sagittarius, Mm -hmm. and then one's Capricorn, and one is Virgo. I believe your moon is Capricorn, and your rising is Virgo. That sounds about right. I don't remember. I'm not positive. I'll have to check. you get the gist of Sam's personality. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Actually, well, we should find, wait, we should look. What's your sun and your moon? Your moon is your, like your emotions. So your emotional world, your inner world, right? And then your rising is, like if you are a book, it's the cover of the book. So most people think that you're more like your rising sign than you are. There's also, because there's different types of astrology. So in certain schools of astrology, it is what you grow into as you are more in alignment with your soul purpose. So yeah, it's kind of like if there's a book, right? Your rising is the cover. It's like, you know, the flake, what people judge, you know, what people can see, the masks you wear, then the sun would basically be like the energy of the book itself. Like you read the whole story. Um, and then the moon is the emotional realm. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm a Capricorn moon. Let's see. Oh, you're a Capricorn moon, Virgo rising. I still have your information on CoStar. Okay. Human design. What is your energy type and profile? Manifesting generator. Yes. Four six. Yes. Which I think is the regal authority figure. (laughs) You love that. (laughs) Drop that one in conversation. I I always get along with four lines. Twos and fours and then the sixes. I have a lot of friends who are sixes. The the role model, you know, the the wise 
Sage. All I know is you told me I would spend 30 years struggling. <laughs> I didn't say like 30 that. 30 years on a roof. <laughs> and in my 60s, I could come down. No, 20, 20 years on a roof. <laughs> Looking, o- reflecting, internalizing all of it. But, you know, you are like when you're when you're 50, you're going to be the wisest person on the planet. So we're excited for it. Wow. <laughs> okay, great. So last in this little series is what is a topic that you have been thinking about a lot recently? What are you learning about? What are you pondering? You're a great person to ask about this. Great question. I have been really deep into the concept of present, like being present and how the past does not exist and the future also does not exist. So trying to find ways to be present, but then also just like I go deep into YouTube I was listening to all of these different speeches that kind of speak to similar concepts and constructs. And it's so interesting just how much of our time we spend not where we actually are. 100%. It's like with depression and anxiety. I forget who said this, but they're like, anxiety is just living in the future. Depression is living in the past. And either way, you're not living in the present. Like none of it's real. Exactly. You know, and we spend so much time living in stories. I also think I think about this so much in terms of communication so this is one of the things in the book that I wrote in April, the, the love book, like the next one, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing is basically like about how we don't really know what love is <laughs> for a lot of us, but they're saying there's a lot in there around upgrading our relationships. And they're like, the biggest problem is communication. And none of you communicate clearly because you're all creating stories in your heads. And then every relationship is just a series of stories piled on top of each other. And no one's even talking about what the truth is, you know? And so I think about that all the time. Like in all of our interactions, we just create these stories about, you know, people are listening. They probably have a story in their head about what we're doing right now, what our relationship is like, how we know each other, what our friendship is like, you know, like all of that, or what it's like to be a founder. What is it like to be a CEO? And how many of those stories are true? Probably not most of them, right? Yeah, I think so much of it is perception. And that's what makes it really hard to communicate when you have your own view of the world Mm -hmm. built from your own experiences and you're interpreting everything in a specific way. And quite literally every person, even if you were identical twins, every single person that you interact with had completely different experiences up until that point. So they're seeing the same situation completely differently than Mm -hmm. you are. And there's really no way to bridge that. Yes. Maybe if you're psychic, but outside of that, <laughs> there's really no way to bridge seeing the world through somebody else's eyes. So what do we do about that? I think I've really been thinking about this a lot this week, but just being as transparent as you can and trying to not like feed into the stories that people may bring to the exchange. Mm-hmm. So just because a question was asked in a certain way or with a certain tone, I could perceive that as, okay, that tone, I'm going to respond because I thought it was judgmental or negative. I'll be defensive. And when you do that, you just kind of further the story and exacerbate it. But what I'm trying to do differently is, okay, that happened. Who knows how we got to that point? But let me respond to that from a more loving place or a more transparent place or a more clear place. And then let's see if that continues. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of shift what you experienced and then improve the quality of the conversation moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you're not stuck in the story or furthering it. You're like reassembling everything. Yeah. I love that. I always feel like using that example, right? My two options are I'm going to assume 
I'm going to like give this person the benefit of the doubt and assume if I'm feeling like I'm being attacked or judged, that's just my own stories. And, and I'm going to respond as if that's not what's happening right there. They're actually genuinely curious. Or I have the option of saying, oh, when you say that, I feel like this <laughs> and like bringing it to light. And that's something I have been thinking about a lot. I told you about that strange tiff with that group of friends I was with. Yeah. And I felt like that was such a prime example of like, there are four people in this room and everybody's experiencing something so intense and so different. And none of us are in the same reality or on the same page. And these are all people who are very spiritual, very quote unquote awake, like 5D. And it was a clusterfuck. It was still a clusterfuck, you know? And I think in that moment, I, I also was realizing like, often when people come at me, at me with that kind of energy, I just don't care. So I just like, sh- I don't shut down. I just don't feed into the conversation because I re- just don't really care. And I can tell if somebody is committed to misunderstanding me. So I just redirect. I'm not going to give it energy. But then I'm like, but then there is value in times where I basically push back and say, no, what you just threw my way is actually not me at all. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I think that kind of plays off of what you were saying with, let me tell you how I interpreted that. Mm -hmm. Or let me tell you how that makes me feel. That is very different than you said this or you did this to me. Yeah. (laughs) So coming back and saying, hey, like, just so you know, this is how I'm interpreting what you're saying. Or like, this is how I walked away from that exchange. This is how I'm feeling about that. Can we talk about that? And, you know, maybe that is what you were trying to say. And if so, great double down on it, we can be clear and then we can move forward, but at least we know. Mm -hmm. But it also gives that person an opportunity to say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant. And that's not how I wanted you to feel about it. And now that I know you feel that way, you're almost having this more like vulnerable, hard conversation, but you end up stronger in your relationship with that person because you were able to do it. And both of the stories can exist. 100%. Clear communication, which is required to run a successful business and with stories and projections. I'm curious for you in building Visor, what were maybe some of the things that you expected it to look like versus the reality of what it is? Like we were going to say like, uh, like 24 year old Sam, were you 24 or 25 when you started it? I was 20. Oh, you were 20. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Five years. Yeah. How old are we? 27? 26. Okay. 26. Okay. That makes sense. 20 20. when when I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing full time, Mm -hmm. incorporating the company. So it got incorporated when you were 21. I think 20. Oh, 20. 20, 21. Okay. So let's say 20, 20 year old Sam stories in her head about what this would look like, where she would be at right now versus like the reality of what it is to build this type of company for you personally? Yeah, great question. And it's an interesting one because I was watching this. I do these little video diaries. So I have Mm -hmm. things to look back at. (laughs) Very interstellar to see how my thought process has evolved over the years. And I was actually talking about timelines on this day like a year ago. Of course you were. (laughs) Ironic (laughs) how it related to the company. And something I said in that video that I think is really interesting is I've said since I was 20, I thought it was going to take five years to build the foundation of this. And then the next five years, we're going to be really growing it. And it was going to take 10 years for it to grow to be what I thought it could be. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying that since the beginning. And then I still only thought that would be the beginning. But I don't think I understood how long five years is when you're (laughs) in it. (laughs) So true. Like, Like I knew 
what we wanted to do and I knew the complexity of it and that it wasn't going to come overnight. And I was ready for that and excited about that. And I think when you ask like what parts of it are aligned with my expectations and what parts have been different, the idea of being in this energy of creation and you're building something new and you're figuring out problems and you're constantly learning and almost like recruiting other people to be a part of what you're building, either as a team member or somebody who uses the platform, that energy has stayed the same from 20 to today. So that flow of it, I think, is what I expected. But I also thought that was it. Like, that's what building a company was. It was always this very growth-oriented, excited energy. And I did not anticipate some of the challenges that you experience internally, just as you're growing an organization, and then also macro. Like, it didn't occur to me at 20 how things could happen in the world. Mm -hmm. And that could shift the trajectory of what you were doing. So something like COVID was not in my mind as a possibility at that time, even market fluctuations. Fair. I didn't have enough exposure to <laughs> yeah. macroeconomics to understand how things like that could impact what you were doing. So that was definitely a learning curve. And then I think really learning how to lead and how to manage while you're in your early 20s and trying not to make missteps and trying to work with people at different levels is a learning curve that I don't think goes away. I think you're 50, 70, and you're still probably feeling very similarly about what you're learning as you're growing. Yeah. So much in there. But I actually want to step back. And can you explain like how you came up with the idea? How did it get started? So I was studying abroad on a program called Semester at Sea. And I had always been entrepreneurial prior to going on that study abroad program. But I hadn't quite directed it towards social entrepreneurship yet. When I was studying abroad, though, and I'm participating in this program, it was this really cool advisor, really cool group of people. And the concept was you could use business to really change the world. And it was because you could bring resources together in a way that you couldn't if you didn't have something that was growing and attractive to businesses to be a part of, for example. So I'm in this business competition where the idea is, okay, how do we use business for good effectively? And then my advisor had said, make sure you pick a problem that you really identify with and you personally experience. Because he had said at that point, this is going to take way longer than you think it's going to. And there's going to be ups and downs. And you want to make sure you're really convicted in the problem that you're trying to solve, because that's what gets you up every morning and working on it. And I'm sitting at the first day of the club, kind of like in a circle. And I'm trying to think of an idea and it honestly pops into my head. And it was, what if every day you worked out, you had the opportunity to donate a meal? And then in doing that, you could earn points for yourself towards healthy rewards. And I got to work on it. And we were building it for, for several weeks, two friends of mine and myself on the boat. And it wasn't until maybe two to three years later of we've launched it, we're, we're building it. Dylan has joined full-time, moved to San Diego. I was talking to another social entrepreneur here in San Diego, and they have a really cool company that was rescuing food waste and turning it into products so much. And she was telling me about an experience she had where she was talking to someone and they said, you know, it's really interesting that you picked this problem to solve. She was like, well, I was seeing all of the food go to waste and I just felt like I should do something about it. And whoever was speaking to her said, yeah, but there were, you know, tens of thousands of people who work in restaurants every day 
who also saw food being wasted and did not feel like they should rescue it and start a company around it. So there's something about your story in particular that brought you towards that project. And she realized what that was for her. But it really got me thinking, you know, why? Why this? And I was able to kind of piece the story together later on where I was in this like very unhealthy spot when I was studying abroad. I did not have a great relationship with my body. I did not know how to work out. I was not eating healthy. I was really restricting my food like to a, a very low amount. And that was impacting all of these other things in my day. I wasn't doing well in school. Like, I was doing well, but I wasn't feeling good, like struggled with having enough energy throughout the day, all these things. And realized that if you did not fuel your body properly, you could not do anything else. And that was like really the, the core driver, I think, I learned later on of why this project in particular was so moving to me and the assortment of the model, the way that it works in terms of you know finding daily motivation that's healthful to do something accessible that's going to make me feel good and develop a habit that's sustainable helping equip people with the resources that they need to have that like foundational resource gap filled where they can go develop healthier habits and then repairing my own relationship with food by learning how these things work together, getting these healthy rewards that I could integrate into my routine, being excited about it, like going to eat at a restaurant and that being like a celebratory experience. So all of that kind of came together mm -hmm. into the why and now it's just been a process of building it. Just a little process of building. <laughs> like it's a a big thing to take on. Here's what's interesting to me as you tell that story. Like, because the answer will be different for you than it will be for everybody that uses the app. I think it's really fascinating. Like, what's the motivating piece? Is it that I'm donating a meal? Or is it that I'm getting free perks? Or is it that I just like to be an achiever and say, oh yeah, I did this today. And so checked it off. I just, just the fact of pressing the button, like I donated. I think it does vary for everyone what aspect of it they find most appealing, but I deeply believe that it is the combination of it all mm -hmm. that makes it so special. It's you're not choosing one or the other. Like if you had to, if I presented you with all of these options and you had to choose, now I'm introducing all of this cognitive dissonance and for what purpose? Yeah. Like the, the whole point of the app was that you could be a part of this community of people who believed in the same things that you believe which is health and wellness should be accessible to everybody. It should not be impossible. It shouldn't be exclusive. It shouldn't be out of reach. And all you had to do was contribute a little bit, that 30 minutes a day, go for that walk, park a little farther in the parking lot than you may have. And you put in a little bit and then you're going to get so much out of this platform in return. And that was really the idea for everyone. Like everyone puts a little bit in and then in doing so, you create this resource that's so much more powerful than a one-for-one -one exchange would have been. Yeah. What's interesting to me is you have talked about you didn't have a healthy relationship with food or your body, but you also didn't like exercise. <laughs> and I, it's, that's fascinating to me because I feel like most people that don't have a great relationship with their body, like myself being one, like what you're describing to me, it's like pretty much every woman, any college age girl, right? Middle school, high school, and men too. They just don't talk about it as much. That's something like super relatable. But I find that most people in that position really use exercise as their lever. Like I was addicted to exercise. I had exercise addiction, you know, which is an eating disorder, right? <laughs> but you didn't like exercise. Yeah. And, and it's not <laughs> that I, so I never liked exercise. And I think for two reasons. One, I mean, you kind of talked about the 
achiever type. Yeah. And I was talking to David from Dream Pops about how some people like over index and under index in different areas. And like I was great at school and I was not great at fitness mm. or working out. And that goes back to childhood. Like the pacer in gym class was Ugh. my nightmare. And I just did not like the idea of doing something I wasn't good at, especially so publicly. Yeah. So it was easier to opt out. So I was not somebody who liked to exercise, but I was active still. I enjoyed rollerblading and snowboarding and all these other things, wakeboarding. But when I got to college, because I never really had good coaching or just a, a foundation of this is how you move your body in a way that's healthful, I would be online and it's like, oh, just download this app and this is going to track your calories. And whatever that says that you should eat in the day, in my head, I'm like, okay, if I eat half of that, then this is going to work twice as fast. And I, oh, this is how these people work out. Okay, I'm going to go do that. And it almost worsened my relationship with exercise because I'm eating, you know, 600, 800 calories a day, telling myself I have to go to the gym and run three miles on the treadmill. And of course, you're going to hate it. <laughs> you have no energy to do it. And I think I really fell for the marketing messaging that exercise has to be hard. Yeah. If you watch the movies or you watch anything in the press and the media, you know, it's this eight-week, 12-week journey and you're going to struggle through it. And then on the other side, you see results. And I just could not get myself to suffer through in my mind to whatever that was going to be. Where Dylan, my cousin and co-founder, was quite the opposite. He did say, okay, I know that I hate this, but I'm going to force myself to do it. And would just consistently put himself in that spot where I just couldn't get there. So it's interesting. I do think to your point, body image, our relationship with food, our relationship with fitness is so personal and different for every single person. But it's unfortunate because it is quite literally the foundation that we build the rest of our lives on. It's how you feel in your body. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, the struggling with our relationship with our bodies is such a common thing, right? With everything on social media. And there's also the, you know, the personality type of the person with an eating disorder is the same personality type that is the classic entrepreneur. It's the same as the person who has addictions, right? Whether it's drugs, drinking, gambling, it's all the same personality type. It's like, we've talked about this, like the shadow and the light of the same personality type. Like I can be highly creative slash I can also be a total clusterfuck and have addictions and overtrain and all of that, you know? So I think that is really fascinating and connecting to what, what when you're talking, I'm like, is that not the same thing as entrepreneurship? This like, we all buy into this belief. I have to work out harder and I have to hate it. It has to be really hard to get the results. And I feel like it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. And I'm not saying it's easy, right? But like, we've talked about this and I think both of us do this in our businesses of like, where am I making it more complicated? Like you had said to me once, what did you say? You're like, I feel like, you're, you're trying to promote a store and your plan to promote a store is to build a mall. <laughs> Do you remember saying that to me? I don't. That's not the way I would say. It's not something you would say. And I was like, God, you're so right. Right. And I think you have some of that personality trait too, you know? And so I just think it's interesting how that so directly parallels. Like I really believe like the way you do one thing is how you do everything. And so it's like, if I have that belief in my business, like I have to do everything, like where else is that showing up? And it's going to be the same thing with fitness, which is like, or health, right? Making it inaccessible. I totally agree. Yeah. We've had this conversation a few times and I think it always comes back to a few things. One, there is, and it goes almost back to what we we're talking about at the beginning with perception and stories, mm -hmm. which is our beliefs about the world 
were framed. They were framed by what we read, the podcasts we listen to, the movies that we watch, the conversations that we've had. And I don't want to speak for both of us, but for myself, I was raised to think of entrepreneurship as a specific way of living. My dad was an entrepreneur. He worked all the time. We talk about business all the time and I love it. It's great. It's like a great way that we connect. But I am also conscious that that has impacted how I perceive one should be committed to their work. And I think it's hard when you are an entrepreneur who also has perfectionist tendencies, which I do, to know what is enough versus what is available. Mm -hmm. There's always something I could be doing to grow what we're working on. And nobody's going to tell me that that's outside of my job description. Nobody's going to say you put in too many hours here or you shouldn't have tried to get that partnership up and running. It's all viewed as a success and it's all viewed as something positive that you're contributing towards whatever you're trying to build. Versus if I think you're working in an organization, it, it may be a little bit harder to come up with completely random things to do <laughs> that are going to drive the organization forward and then not be considered a problem mm -hmm. or a liability by your boss or your management. So it's hard when you have topics like work-life balance, which is, hey, it's so important that you are carving out time and space for yourself, which I agree, I think is so important. But also on this other side of the, the coin, how are you going to be the person to tell you, I'm not going to do this one thing that I know is going to be beneficial to everybody who's involved with this organization that I'm building? Boundaries, personal boundaries. <laughs> what has that looked like for you? The evolution of your boundaries with yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's been a process. And actually personally too, you know, I talk about this a lot on the show and I don't have all the employees that you do or, you know what I mean? And so I think it's so key. Boundaries are amazing. And I think <laughs> that I had to learn what they were yeah. before I could start putting them into place. I think I read it on Reddit once and then I, I called you about it after, but <laughs> Quality, Reddit. Yeah, it was a quote and it said, you know, a boundary isn't saying you can't do this. It's saying when this happens, this is how I'm going to respond. And, you know, being a perfectionist, I also lean towards controlling tendencies. So boundaries in my mind were personally or professionally, right? I need to stop people from doing things that are taking me out of alignment. And once I was able to reframe that as, oh, a boundary is me deciding how I'm going to respond in certain situations when they arise that's an entirely different ballpark because now you're not trying to control the situation. You're just almost giving yourself the training wheels or the direction to go in when something happens, which I think is super, super important. So for me, I had to really think about, okay, what is going on in my life that I'm not thrilled about? Where are there <laughs> opportunities for improvement? And in almost every single instance, I realized it was something that I was doing or a situation that I was creating. And so often with boundary conversations, I think we think about external. What am I trying to keep out? What am I trying to deflect, stay away from? And I think a lot of it is just unplugging yourself more so than trying to block out whatever is, is coming in. Yeah, I love that. I just came up recently in the mastermind I was running and the conversation was around, it's hard for me because I feel like I'm missing out or I'm like losing out or like it's the focus is on, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, it's not, I can't do this anymore. It's you're always choosing what you're opting into. So instead it is, I'm just not choosing that. I'm choosing this. And the reframe is like, I'm choosing freedom here, you know, because so often 
we don't set up boundaries and then we feel trapped somewhere. So it's like you're choosing to feel trapped or you're choosing your freedom, which is it. Yeah. <laughs> Almost asking yourself, it really, I think, is the opt-in. What am mm-hmm. I opting into? And am I happy about that? Yeah. And how often are we doing things because we feel like we should or because it's something that we agreed to or because it upholds somebody's expectation of us? X, Y, Z, the list goes on versus I'm doing this because I want to. It's like a very simple yeah. thing to process, but it's the hardest thing to put into practice. Well, because we, we can feel everyone's energy and expectations and our own expectations. And there's so much, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like there's so much, when we've created an identity and other people perceive us in that way, there's a lot of energy being pushed in that direction. And there's so much momentum because everybody's like, oh, Sam is this type of person. Christina is this type of person that for us to shift the identity, it's moving against the momentum of all of that energy that's been put forward by everybody. And that's why it's so hard to like create a new groove. See Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think you can almost condition the people around you Mm -hmm. to expect these kinds of behaviors. Yes. Like my mom said on, I was talking to her when I was driving up earlier and she was like, do you remember you used to change your room every six months? She's like, you would completely redecorate it. I did that too. Want to switch to a new room of the house? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, because I couldn't be in the same space. It was just suffocating. Physically, same space was fine, but it had to look different. So I would move around all the furniture and how it was organized. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, everybody who is close to me has come to expect how often I'm switching things up and experimenting and trying different things where now it's just, oh, Sam's doing X, Y, Z. That makes sense. Doesn't question it. Versus two years ago, I think it was a little bit more volatile. People were concerned. (laughs) You want to talk about it? (laughs) We can. Um, I think it's a good, and I don't know how much backstory would be helpful, but I went through this like seismic shift really Mm -hmm. of how I was spending my time, realizing that I wasn't, basically everything that I just explained, I wasn't doing. I think that what would be helpful here is if you told the story of how we met. (laughs) Well, there's like eight different stories how we met. (laughs) The the, the truth. (laughs) But I think the first time was when we hosted the event. Yeah, there's a visor event and Kaylee brought me and I met you for one second. Yeah. Pretty much. And then in my mind, it just skipped to this event that I went to. But come to find out that's not the case. We actually had a very long meeting in between the two. Yeah. We found out we lived like two blocks away from each other. We had a meeting. Did Dylan come to that? Dylan came to that. So we had a meeting. We were talking about different partners that maybe we can make connections to. I don't know how I totally forgot about that. But then flash forward, I went to this... um, I don't even remember what the event was, but it was something... I was having a special smoothie at Powerhouse. Oh, it was your event. Yeah, it was my event. (laughs) This makes so much sense. I a pumpkin spice smoothie released at Powerhouse Pizza. Okay, so... And then you came. And you were doing at the time, for more context, the challenge where you dressed up cute every day for 30 days. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of challenges over over the years. Sam's life is a series of 30-day challenges. (laughs) I'm the same way, though. I do the same thing. I think it's great. It goes back to the experimentation thing I'm talking yes. about. Got to keep it fresh. But That's your sixth line. I FYI. had been invited to this event, not by you, but I came to the event. By who then? Um, by the Anisha? Owner. Yeah. Okay. And so I come to the event and I'm sitting there. We're all in a circle. And I swear to God, Christina just looks over <laughs> and says, your energy looks terrible. <laughs> you need to come in for a session. And I'm like, this is this girl's sales strategy? 
<laughs> it worked. Um, oh my gosh, I'm unwell. But <laughs> I don't remember saying that. I, I positive. I probably said it in a different way, and you heard it that way. <laughs> that may be true. And historically, I would not have been interested. It worked in the space because I thought it was. I I just wasn't very into this world at all you in terms honest. of spirituality or or any of that. And but my. <laughs> grandmother had recently passed away and she was you know really active in this whole world she was a reiki master and i felt like i hadn't taken the opportunity to explore that as much as i should have while she was still alive so i was like you know what maybe this is a sign maybe i'm supposed to go so i go and that's when we we no we still didn't become friends for another year we had a session and what happened <laughs> um i just didn't like it <laughs> well you did like it you yeah. did like it. <laughs> I didn't like so the way Christina. I did a good job. Let's not let's not mess that up. <laughs> the way Christina does her sessions is it's like an hour of the healing, and that's what I was expecting because that's what my grandmother did, and my dad's a level two, and one of my best friends, Nick, he goes. So that was kind of my expectation, and then there was this debrief period afterwards, where she was telling me everything that came up for her, and I did not like that at all because what you have to understand is prior to this. I did not believe in anything bigger than myself. And it just seemed like this totally foreign world and it didn't seem very intellectual. And I really struggled with it. And she starts telling me all of these things that she's hearing and receiving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I didn't like the idea that there was this like whole other world of information that seemed very, very inaccessible. But I will say I left Never had a plan to ever see her again. <laughs> but I left and I was very convicted in the belief that there was something bigger mm-hmm. after that. And, you know, now I believe in God. So it was like a very long trajectory to start from one place to get to the other. But yeah, there was a whole year after that where I pretty much avoided her. And then we reconnected. Well, you're forgetting the part where you had told me that <laughs> you didn't like that I knew things about you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that is what triggered you. <laughs> Does anybody like that, though? I think some people do because it makes them feel seen. Interesting. Yeah. So going back to this idea of childhood me mm-hmm. won't even do the pacer because yeah. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Very cultivated image. And then you're like, no. I'm like, no, this is the truth. And you're like, I don't <laughs> like this at all. So, Sam, we have a session. It's a great session. Let's not let's not get it twisted. <laughs> she feels like she was invaded basically even though she opted in but now is open to god potentially we don't talk for a year and then and then what happened and then i reached back out yeah so my life had gotten very chaotic again and i was like you know what this was informative last time (laughs) maybe i should give it another shot so i reached out and i was like hey i would love to come in again and she told me that she wasn't taking any sessions or she wasn't meeting with people and I was like okay well I appreciate that but like I really need to come in can we make something happen so she ends up um making space and my roommate Camille who I think has been on the show a few times Mm -hmm. and I ended up coming in and had another session and this time it was almost like a physical mental experience like if you've seen the goop lab on Netflix it was similar to that and it just kind of solidified for me oh okay there's a lot going on and if that's true then I want to be a part of whatever that is and it was a kind of crazy road from that point on 
of up and down, up and down, and then it kind of mellowed out towards the end. Yeah. Well, I feel like that, that like set off so many shifts in your life, you know, cause it was like, we had the initial session, we didn't talk for a year and then you came in for that one and you know, life was crazy, I think a bit, but then ever since then you've been a regular Yeah. <laughs> and then you started getting into spirituality and some people got concerned and you started drawing boundaries for yourself. Some people got concerned <laughs> and you had to go through that period of like retraining people. Yeah. Because I think it's, it's the same time, right? You're, you're in your early twenties and you're growing up and I partied a lot, Mm -hmm. partied a lot in high school, partied a lot in college, partied a lot post-college the same time I'm trying to grow this company. And that was not in alignment and I had to kind of shift that. So when you start shifting out of partying a lot, that kind of shifts how you spend your time, who you're spending Mm -hmm. your time with, what you're doing. And I think just a symptom of like the age that I was at, the life experiences that I was having, you grow up really fast. But if you don't like face some of these things head on, then you don't grow up at all mm-hmm. in certain areas. So figuring out like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And let me start building towards that. Started really intentionally, probably around 24, 25. And I'm turning 27 here soon. And I feel like it's kind of coming to resolution of, okay, I know what I want and I know where I'm at. And now I get to really settle into it. I feel like you're a totally different person than, than that session when, it, when you were here and you were like, how do you have fun if you don't drink? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd been out late the night before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And now look where we are, you know? If you want to uh, manifest more money, more fulfilling relationships, better health, but despite doing your daily manifestation and visualization practices, it isn't coming to you easily, this is what you need to know. What I have learned through my own experience again and again and through the experiences of all the people I've worked with is that the main reason why people have trouble calling in more of what they want is that they have underlying limiting beliefs that there is not enough or that they aren't actually worthy of receiving what it is that they want. Here's the thing. In order to be an energetic match for more, we need to get out of scarcity mindset and start embodying the energy of abundance. This allows you to effortlessly attract more abundance to you, whether you want money, relationships, health, any physical form of abundance. If you are wondering how to align with the energy of abundance and how to effortlessly attract different forms of abundance into your life. I have created a brand new course that teaches you the exact practices that I use and my clients use to align with abundance in all areas of our life, making manifestation effortless. This course, Abundance Accelerator, includes over nine hours of video lesson content, exclusive journal prompts and exercises to help you integrate the information, and a really powerful 30-minute energy healing activation to help you align your frequency with the energy of abundance. When you enroll, you get lifetime access to all of the course materials. You can start today and you get to do this all at your own pace. So your life could change literally in a week if you are ready. If you are ready to learn how to receive the endless support and abundance that is already available to you, then you can enroll in Abundance Accelerator today by going to bit.ly slash AXL course. Again, that's bit.ly slash AXL C-O-U-R-S-E. I can't wait to hear what you manifest. So my question is, how is spirituality part of your wellness routine? How does it support you as an entrepreneur, as a CEO? It is probably the most important part of my life now. It's a big statement. I, I love to hear that. And not one that I would have made. But I, I talk to God every day. Mm-hmm. I think that believing in something bigger than yourself is 
so freeing. I think for a long time, I thought that it was giving up or abdicating control over your life to say like, oh, you know, I don't make every decision and I'm not controlling every outcome. And I heard something at some point, which is like, you are making decisions with such limited information. Like what I think is best for me in three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't have any of the context to really know. And this idea that, hey, I can just show up as authentically as I can, put my best foot forward every single day, obviously work hard, be prepared, plan. I'm not saying not to do those things, but trust that things are working out as they should. And if you show up from this energy of genuine care and thoughtfulness for how you live your life and how you impact people, then everything kind of works out in the end. And even prior to all of this, I always liked the concepts of not even religion in the sense of the church, but like in the sense of how you should interact with and treat other people. And I think that is the foundation of any spiritual practice, which is how are you navigating this life that we're living? Like, how are you experiencing different things and integrating that into your knowledge? How are you perceiving different things? How do you respond? How do you react? All shifts when you perceive everybody around you as like, okay, this person is like also an extension of God. And we get to have this conversation from that point rather than like, oh, we're just humans figuring it out. Mm -hmm. It's very like, it just feels very different to me. Oh, totally. Totally. I think so much more compassion. You know, I feel like I used to be so much more judgmental for a number of reasons. Uh, but then, you know, it's very humbling to face your own shit <laughs> and to also realize like that person's mirroring for me. Right. And that person is also an extension of source. So there's something here. Right. My question is, what are some of the biggest things, let's say through your energy healing sessions that you have like learned about yourself that have supported you in your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, there's so many. Specifically as it relates to being an entrepreneur, I think one that was really big was we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but where are you working because it's productive and where are you working to stay busy is a big one. Mm -hmm. And making sure that you are focused on being productive and contributing value rather than being busy because there's a root often to why you're working and figuring out what that is. And like, because nobody does something unless they get a benefit from it yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> So what is the benefit that you're getting from overworking mm. and how do you switch that? Because it's not really constructive. So I think that was a big one. Second, I think the mirroring concept is really important in two ways. One, which is like, how are people mirroring things to you? But then also how are you, and, and maybe it's not even a mirror, but how are you presenting things to other people that is shaping their perception of how they anticipate, you anticipate you want them to show up. And that was kind of a circle, but but stay with me, where the idea is like how you behave, people are watching. Mm -hmm. How you talk, people are watching. How you navigate the world, people are watching. And they start to think that that's what you want to see. Yeah. And then they start mirroring that to you. And especially with the team, I had to be really cognizant of the fact that I do want people to have an amazing sense of balance in their lives. I don't think that work is the most important thing. And if I was working around the clock, that's not really setting that tone in any kind of significant or meaningful way. Because if I say it out loud and I'm doing the opposite, people are watching, right? So how are you setting the tone that you want upheld and contributing towards that? I think that was a big thing. And then I think the third was how you asked for three, right? I mean, I just said some of them. So three is great. 
I think the third. She likes a number. <laughs> it, it helps me organize it in my head. Is how work and life are so connected and the habits that you do at home, you do at work. So I think a big topic, you know, a lot of our friends come in for sessions. They come in talking about work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having this problem. I'm having this experience. This is happening. Da, 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 da. But you can work on that work problem all day. But if you don't address the home layer of it, it's, it's like treating the symptom and not the cause. So really getting to the root. All of it just comes back to like peeling back layers mm-hmm. until you get to the core, speaking that into reality and then addressing it. I love that so much. And as you were talking, I feel like I just pieced something together for myself around like why I love working with entrepreneurs specifically. Here's the thing. The bigger or more reach the company or business has, there's more and more projections thrown on you. And it can become, it's the same thing as like anybody who has like a huge following or is famous or a celebrity, right? There are all of these projections thrown on them and you can get really caught up in like, who am I? You know, there are just so many layers of illusions. And what I love about energy work and intuitive work is somebody comes in who's so used to everybody knows me as this. This is what my social media looks like, right? Like all these millions of people see me as this. They come in and I'm like, I have no context. And suddenly, you know, what's coming through is just vibrational. Like this is what it looks like vibrationally. And all of a sudden that person feels like, holy shit, like that was so intimate. I'm so uncomfortable. And I feel like there's that clicking moment, you know, for people realizing like, who am I? I've been living like with masks for so long that I thought were me. And this random person who knows nothing about me just like cut through into my soul. And that's the same reason why so many entrepreneurs struggle with intimacy, I think, personally, you know, and being seen in relationships. And I think that's really the gift of the work, Mm -hmm. which is you're going to be your most successful in work and in life, when you're most aligned with who you are and what you want and just being really authentic and genuine. But I think to your point, so many people don't even know mm-hmm. because, and, and that's the hardest part. We think when somebody's putting on a mask or they're presenting in a certain way, they're doing it intentionally because they want to present themselves in a certain manner. But I know for myself and so many people that I've spoken with, it becomes very hard to distinguish between like, who are you and how do you present? Mm-hmm. Because we start to learn about ourselves from what we see mirrored. So and what other people say about us? Oh, like, you're this. You're that. You're so X, Y, Z. It's like, okay, then I guess I am. Exactly. But it's like, does that resonate? No. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people don't understand the term alignment. So like, what does alignment mean for you? How did you understand that? You, like, you love to talk about alignment now. I do love that word now. It's a feeling more than a definition mm-hmm. of it just clicks. So when I think of alignment, it's easy. It flows. There's a connection point. Energy, rock solid. When you're out of alignment, it's this like friction point or there's a disconnect, the the fuse switched. Like what is going on? And I know for me, I normally get my attention called to these things in really dramatic ways. So <laughs> something will happen. There's some big incident, either physically or emotionally, or there's a conversation. There's something that signals and triggers to me. Okay. You need to turn your attention here and look at this. And then it's like a glaring light. It's so mm-hmm. apparent once you re- like recognize that it's not in alignment. So it's like, okay, let me shift that as quickly as I possibly can because otherwise it's just going to continue mm-hmm. to rock the boat mm-hmm. and I would like to be sailing as smoothly as I can. How have you navigated that 
when there are so many other factors at play, right? It's one thing, let's say there's like me with like smaller team, like I can make whatever life shift I want, really, you know? You have way more people attached, right? There's way more employees. There's like millions of people using this app. There's like investor, there's all these other people, right? So do you ever feel like the things you need to do to feel aligned are bumping up against all those other factors and then how do you navigate that? Well, there's not quite that many people using the app yet, but I like you manifesting We're that. manifesting so it. So let's keep that. Um, it's going to be after this podcast. There's going to be. I love it. <laughs> I think you're totally right that when there are a lot of factors at play, it's something that you consider mm-hmm. when you make a move. You know, is this going to rock other people's boats? Mm-hmm. And I do think it is inaccurate to say that that doesn't matter because I think it really does matter. You have certain obligations when you mm-hmm. take on certain roles to not just do whatever you want. And I've used that phrase a lot on this podcast, but I mean it being mindful and cognizant of everything else that's going on in your environment. So it's like, what do you want that makes sense with everything else? And I think that makes sense piece is what you're asking about, where I will go through that in my head of, okay, you know, what feels most aligned? And then what can I do that also feels stable and grounding in this environment. And I actually find that I normally optimize towards better moves when I do that because it requires me to really check in and process it. Mm. Otherwise, I'm a really impulsive person. I would just shift left and right, you know, every single day. This way, I have to sit with things a little bit longer, you know, even a week, two weeks, three weeks, as I kind of make a plan or decide how am I going to move pieces around? Mm -hmm. What makes sense? How do I explain this to people in a way that makes sense and can be understood and not just me telling somebody, but truly us communicating and understanding one another? So there is some thought work that goes into it, but I think that's part of the joy of the challenge is I'm not just trying to shift for today because it feels right today. If I'm trying to shift, I'm trying to do it meaningfully and Mm -hmm. I want it to last and I want it to endure. So if that is the case, I do have to account for the people who I care about and who it impacts and make sure that I'm doing it in a way that's fair Mm -hmm. for everyone. It can be a little dangerous sometimes because then you may overcorrect into people pleasing, but I do think it's, I would rather do that than the alternative, but because I think it leans towards selfishness. Hmm. Well, it's such an important skill because I feel like where a lot of people get stuck in, in business and in life, but we'll use business as the example here, is like we find something that works and we are like, great, and we want it to work forever. But the thing is that we are living, breathing organisms and businesses are alive. Like they have their own consciousness, like they are meant to be dynamic. The nature of the universe has changed and shifting. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck is like, okay, I found this thing that worked and now we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that keeps working when actually a lot of things want to shift, you know? And obviously where that comes up is if you think about you starting Visor at such a young age and far less people and having to like make it work, you know, like you built an entire app, like pretty like lean, right? And then things grow and you have more employees. And I feel like there have to be upgrades in communication. You're learning about employee dynamics and culture and like managing people. And so what has that looked like for you? Like comparing where it started and what the energy was like and getting it going, moving into like what you've learned, you've had to shift and change in terms of like working with a larger team uh, and as, you know, investors are involved and things like that. We have been 
really blessed, I think, in the people that we have the opportunity to work with. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of how the chips have fallen of meeting the right people at the right time, us working with the right capital partners. We haven't done an institutional round today. It's been angels and we worked with a foundation here in San Diego. So advisors even, we found the right people to grow with who really believed in the full scale of what we were trying to do from when it was nothing to when it was something. And we're committed to making that a reality across the board. And I think that made it really easy to do that shift in a way that I don't think we would have experienced that if it wasn't a mission-led company. Because I really feel like everybody that has worked on the project, even some of the brands that we've worked with, have sparked ideas for it and have contributed. And Pfizer is very much, as you described, this living, breathing organism, which is changing constantly. We pivot more than any company I know, keeping true to our core brand values, but trying different things and structuring in different ways and constantly moving to where it is right. And and that's kind of charting our path. So I think looking forward, I am trying to be really, really mindful that this was an idea that I had years ago, but what exists today is not was not my idea. Like what exists today is the idea of everybody who's contributed to it mm-hmm. and what it's going to be in five years is going to be so much bigger because of all of the ideas that contributed to it. I heard something that ideas are like one of the only things that don't decrease in value as they're given away. So if we had a pizza and I like gave you a slice, there's now less pizza. But if I give you an idea and you like that idea and you start spreading it, it actually grows over time. So it's like all of these people are investing their ideas into something, which makes it constantly shifting by nature. But that's what's beautiful about it. And when I was trying to steer the ship too much, I was almost suffocating it by keeping it in the lane of my ideas where it's like, whoa, we're on this ride and it's beautiful and it's fun and it's magical and let's just go for it and adjust with the wind as it blows, but we can't control the wind. And that is where faith came into play. Yeah. Oh, wind's coming. Are we going to respond or are we going to say like, let's analyze why there's wind? Yeah. Well, and especially with the virus, right? And then everything that's happening in the economy, like what do you do in those high pressure situations where it's like, okay, we were planning on this. There's a lot at stake. And now this has just dropped in our laps. Uh, Like how do you manage that? Really relying on the people that I work with that we'll figure it out together Mm -hmm. has been huge. My co-founder is my cousin. My COO is my best friend from childhood. We would make all these businesses together when we were younger. (laughs) Uh, Our team, you know, people I'm super close with, same with our investors. So just kind of getting everybody like in all hands as it relates to to what they're working on. So it's like, hey, this is where we're at. This is what's going on. Let's all put our minds towards it. Let's have a really open conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's push back on ideas. I think that's something that we do well as a leadership team, and I try to cultivate in the organization, which is you have to be willing to defend your idea and you have to be willing to advocate for it, even when it's uncomfortable. So the way I, I like to learn is if somebody vocalizes an idea, like I'll have questions about it. But what I want to hear is why they have such conviction in it. How did you arrive at that? Like what makes you confident in that direction? Mm-hmm. What did you consider to get to this point, what resources do you have at your disposal, right? And those kinds of questions. So we can really poke holes in the idea at the outset, get everything out in the open, and say, okay, now that we have everything here, what do we want to do? 
And once we decide on a direction, it was the best direction that we could decide on at that point in time with the information that we had available to us. And now we got it. We got to lock in. Let's put it forward and then let's revisit it in two to four weeks. And maybe we have to pivot or adjust something, but you're making progress and you're learning and you're slowly moving in the direction of where you need to go. If you are discussing the idea and you're like in this analysis for way too long, you miss the boat. <laughs> or if you decide this is the direction that we're going, but you know, it's the concept of putting good money after bad. You're like, well, we already put work behind this, so we have to see it through. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I want you to talk about that. <laughs> I have no problem putting an unbelievable amount of work into something mm -hmm. and then completely throwing it out if I don't feel like it's the right direction. I've never understood why you would want to keep investing in something that you have information or intuition is not right. Yeah. But it is a super common thing. It is very common. I mean, it's it's such a manifestation thing as I'm looking at my book sitting in front of us, right? Because Well, because people perceive it as I, we put in all this work, so we need to make it work even when we know it's not the right move versus like, what if you put it? And so I don't want to throw away my work, but what if you put in all of the work to go this direction and that was the foundation for the next thing? And that is, I think it's manifestation. You're totally right. And it is being present. So if you're truly present, you can hold the idea that everything I did up until this point is valuable because it brought me to this point. But if you're too invested in a future that you already decided was the right one, then you're going to get 30% of the way and be like, no, 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 I still have 70% of the way to go. But if I could like shake you and be like, hey, I just know for a fact that you're going to go that other 70% of the way and you're going to realize that it wasn't right. Not saying I have the power to do this, but like in theory, <laughs> yeah. if I did. And you're going to have to walk all the way back and then go down a new path. Do you still want to do it? Yeah. And that's how it has always felt to me, which is like, oh, no, 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 this, like, I know this maze isn't going to go out this way. So I don't want to keep going down that path. Yeah. But I don't regret that I've got to this point because it taught me that that maze was the wrong one. Exactly. That I think can be very hard to do. And as I'm talking out loud and processing it, that I think can be very hard to do if you did not set the course mm. that you walked down or you don't have the conviction that that's the wrong path. That is, I think, when it gets challenging and it may be why it's hard for us to understand. Because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I'm in it. Like, I know. But if imagine if somebody was telling you that's not the right path, you're like, well, I don't agree. Mm. Or that's not the right path, but I told you to walk it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I also think there's self-awareness though. Like, in you know, how I'm relating to this is there have been things, something I have learned in the last couple of years, you know, we both have advisors and mentors and something I had to really learn in the last like two years was there was a period where I was really listening to what my mentors were suggesting and I felt like like they were suggesting like this is the plan it's going to work and I'm tuning in it's going to work blah, blah blah and there was something within me that was like this isn't totally right right and so I guess in that way I, it's like almost like that course was set for me and I and so I said okay great I'm going to plop in it I know nothing about this and this person has done this before so I'm just going to follow it and I do it and the whole way I'm like this isn't quite right but I'm just going to do it like I feel like you can still tell when it's not vibrationally correct because if it's not vibrational vibrationally correct like for you intuitively anybody that's involved it also won't be in alignment for either does that make sense yeah no I think it's definitely uh it's one of those things that I think is perfect in theory and mm -hmm. it's hard in practice. I think it's the difference between people who settle and people who don't. I think people who settle are the people who I already got 
of the way here, so I need to finish it. I I will challenge those that I think there's a little bit more complexity to it. Of course there's complexity. Because <laughs> I think I think there are people who don't have the same conviction mm-hmm. that their intuitive direction is correct the way that you do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a lack of desire or a lack of work ethic. What no. it may be is insecurity or a lack of confidence in the path that was set or the ability to shift to the correct path or identify Mm -hmm. the correct path. Yeah. Which to me comes back to where we're not fully connected to our intuition. That's brave. That really is brave, right? Because that's the difference between this is what works. This business did it this way. So I'm just going to copy that, which is what a lot of people do versus like actually trusting yourself and doing something different and taking a leap. You know, I think the best companies are the people who do it in revolutionary ways. Like that's not a template. That's something you create. And I think that's the most fun. The yeah. Going back to like very beginning of this, the creative energy. Mm-hmm. I think it's the being an entrepreneur is the best opportunity to be creative in an infinite sense in a career than any other like corporate jobs that I can imagine. And I think that's why I love it so much. But it wasn't until several years of being in entrepreneurship that I realized, oh, it's not entrepreneurship and business that I love. It's creation because I enjoy this just as much when I'm doing it as a volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> or I enjoy it just as much when I'm doing it with a design project or some concept that I think is cool. So creativity for me was like the driver. And I think once you find that, like what is your thing mm-hmm. and you cater that, towards your career, that's when you start to feel brave. You're like, oh, I'm in my flow. This is fun for me and I feel confident and I'm really enjoying this. I will try something new Mm -hmm. because I feel empowered too. Do you look back, because I'm assuming you would never change anything, right? But do you look back and see places where you're like, oh, we went the long route there or we made it harder for ourselves there? I think in the past, I may have had a different answer to that. Mm -hmm. But as of late, I've really come to believe that we get the lessons that we're supposed to in the order that we're supposed to get them. Mm-hmm. And there are no mistakes and there are no regrets. And I, I heard something once. It's like, if you could put your problems in a hat and everybody else was going to put their problems in the hat mm-hmm. and you could pick them out, like, wouldn't you want to pick your own over some random? And 100%. Like, I would take mine any day. So I would always be hesitant to want to change something. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to change where we're at. So I think even to that point, like if if I had the perspective that I have today when I was 21, would I have done things differently? Most assuredly. But I actually think the company would be in a worse spot because I think when you're young and you're enthusiastic and you're doing something new, you're almost naive and you will just put yourself out there in ways that I probably would not have the ability to do Yeah. now. So yes, it was longer <laughs> and yes, it was harder, but we were braver. We were bolder. Mm-hmm. And I think we really saw the return of that. You don't think you're brave and bold now? I think I am. But I know then it was like out of this world. Yeah, I know. I think about that too. <laughs> I was a little spitfire when I was 20. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> what do you feel like, how would you, how would you define leadership for yourself? In a personal sense or in a professional sense? Both. I think in a professional sense, being a leader is being in touch with the needs of the organization as much as you possibly can be. I think having communication being like a guiding principle 
of the organization and trying to cultivate an environment where people feel safe to operate authentically. I think that's leadership because if you have that foundation, then all of the strategy will fall into place. Like all of the operations will fall into place. But if people don't feel safe or they don't feel like they'll be heard or they don't feel like they can communicate, they don't feel valued, that's where you really introduce foundational problems into the organization. So I think that's half of professional leadership. And I think the other half is really trying to set a model of what success looks like. I know for us, it's like if we care and if we try, I consider that successful. And I've told you this probably a million times. Like I would so much rather have somebody who is really committed to learning how to do something than who had that experience out of the gate because then we're going to figure it out together. Nobody knows how to do something that's brand new, even if you're the most experienced person in the world. So I think for leadership, like let's define what success looks like and then let's get there together is super important in a professional setting. In a personal setting, I think being a leader for yourself is something that I never really did well until very recently. I think I looked at all of these external models of leadership in books and in stories and in history and kind of romanticized or idolized different people and how they had done things. And those were things that I wanted to uphold because I thought that they were positively regarded. And I think being a leader for yourself is probably the hardest thing that you can do, which is, okay, I'm going to make my own blueprint for this. And I'm going to hold that as the model. I think Matthew McConaughey in his like Oscars acceptance speech said that his hero is him 10 years from now. And it's like, how do you define who you are as a role model to you? And then that role model of you has to coach present you that you have the potential to become that person. So you have to present you has to be able to hold at the same time. What does this role model of myself look like? Let me channel that <laughs> and coach myself up today mm-hmm. to get to that person. Big ask. <laughs> but somewhere in there. I think you can be the best personal leader for yourself. 100%. That's what we call a future progression in in energy healing world. Nice. (laughs) Future timeline progression. (laughs) Call forward your higher self, your future self, and then ask, what's the roadmap? It's funny because you ask me about my higher self all the time, Mm -hmm. but I would not have conflated Mm. those two ideas until now. Well, you definitely should. They're the same. It's good to know. They should be the same. (laughs) If you're going to talk to a future self, it should be... Because there are so many possible future selves, right? It should be the highest self embodiment. I like that. Doesn't that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So much good stuff. I want to know in terms of wellness, because this app, you know, I guess people might think of it as fitness focused, right? But like, how does the app encapsulate all of what wellness means to you? Wellness in my mind now is so much bigger than fitness and it's so much bigger than nutrition even it's this idea of whole person health it's the quality of how we live our lives and if you look at kind of an elementary understanding of it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs you have the elementary in terms of like very simple geometric to look at um you have the social determinants of health which is like all of these things are impacting your health and wellness you have all these frameworks that talk about what wellness is Mm -hmm. but i think at its most practical tangible level First, it's like, do you have what it takes to feel good in your body? Do you have the resources? Do you have the motivation? Do you have that accessible to you? Are you nourished? Are you hydrated? Are you rested? Are you mobile? Do you feel strong? Like physically, how do you feel in your body? Because your physical health 
informs your mental health. So are you clear? Are you connected? Do you feel valued? Do you feel heard, understood? Like, what is your mental health like? Because that impacts your emotional health. So how are you showing up in your relationships? How are you doing at school? How are you doing at work? On top of that is where you can start looking at, okay, where do I feel fulfilled? That's self-actualization, top of the pyramid, right? So I, I have this like theory of impact for Pfizer, which is that it's not necessarily a pyramid in that, okay, one's checked, step up to the next one, checked, step up to the next one. Oh, I'm stuck at level three. Like, am I going to advance? I think it's more like this orbit. We call it the orbit of the individual where like you start with this dot at the center and then it starts to go out in a circle around the dot. Mm -hmm. And it's just this consistent flow where, yep, your physical health is good. We're moving to mental, but you have to keep energy moving through your physical health to keep yourself nourished, keep yourself rested, keep yourself hydrated, all these things to keep your mental health in check. And your life just becomes this like symphony of the energy flowing through this orbit consistently. So for wellness, I think it is the most important thing in our lives. And I think it's the most important thing for societal health because all of these other impact initiatives that we look at, if you don't have this foundation, it's going to be very, very hard to make meaningful shifts in terms of economic opportunity or things like um, domestic violence, even if there's not enough food in the home. Like there are all of these things that you have to look at. So wellness is the foundation of how we live our lives. Again, I don't think it should be exclusive. I don't think it should be out of reach. And I do think it should be like the number one priority of mm. our society. And what's one thing somebody could do that's powerful for their wellness today? That seems that feels very accessible. I think the number one thing that they can do, I've coined it your daily wellness routine. But it's this little like questionnaire that you can run yourself through. Is that what I answered at that at that dinner? I think so. <laughs> Yeah, at the Daily Wellness Club dinner. But it's a little questionnaire that you run yourself to. And it's like, okay, what does my body need today? What does my mind need? What does my heart need? You just ask yourself these questions because it will look different every single day. The workout that's good for you today will not be good for you next week. What I order at the coffee shop constantly changes. Depends mm -hmm. on like what my emotional landscape looks that day. But I think if we can get people in the habit of asking themselves the question of what is going to make me feel good, then they're empowered to do it. Mm -hmm. We just skip straight to, oh, workout. Yep, go to the gym. Or, uh, gotta eat healthy. Oh, I didn't. Let me beat myself up. Rather than what makes me feel good. And then once you get in a consistent daily wellness routine, or if you want to get in a consistent daily wellness routine, download Visor. <laughs> there we go. Mic drop. I love that. You just need the right question. And then the right answer illuminates itself. So uh, when people download the app, can you just briefly explain what they can expect? How to use it? Yes. So it's free to download and use. You can get it off of either app store, iOS or Android. You will download it. We give you an activity challenge each day and you get to choose which one you want to do. So you could do something like walking 10,000 steps, which we're able to track directly through your phone. Or you could do 30 minutes of exercise, which you need a wearable because it tracks your heart rate, like Apple Watch, Fitbit. Etc. Or you could take a class at a studio that we partner with. And every day that you do that, you have the opportunity to donate a meal through a U.S. food bank. So all you do is come into the app and tap donate before midnight. Those are sponsored by brands in our network. And then every day you do that, you earn points and you can use them for free items for yourself. Um, think like fun, healthy rewards. 
could either be an appetizer at a local restaurant, something D to C shipped to your door, or we recently launched retail rewards. So you can go into Walmart and Rite Aid nationwide and get a free product for yourself. Nice. Yeah. And it's just good for, I don't know what, what it, is it good for dopamine? What is it when I, when I press that? <laughs> I just donate it. I think it's, it's uh, serotonin. Okay. Serotonin. Serotonin is the one that's more lasting and connection oriented, right? I feel like it's dopamine, but it's fine. I think it's serotonin. <laughs> we'll look into it. We'll, we'll add to the show notes. It. But yeah, it's free. Uh, did I tell you that I told everybody in my chiropractor office about it? I think you texted oh, yeah. me, yeah. Yeah, and they were like, wait. So everybody was like, wait, do you pay to donate the meal? I'm like, no, no, no. You literally just walk your 10,000 steps and then you press a button and a company will donate the meal, essentially. And then you get free stuff. And this woman's like, that's amazing. I walk 30,000 steps anyway. <laughs> I was like, this is so cute. Uh, so yeah, everybody download it. There's truly no downside at all. You have nothing to lose. So there you go. How else can they support the mission? I think the number one thing is we're really trying to spark a conversation around democratizing wellness. So if you go to our website, there's kind of six impact principles there, but it basically is that core idea. Health should be accessible. Mm -hmm. Ways that we're trying to do that is by bringing all of these stakeholders together into one conversation and helping spread that message as far and wide as we possibly can. So I think people either using the app, sharing the app with their networks. Um, one thing that we do is we work with organizations. So we do either corporations or sports teams or nonprofits or churches who want to use the app as a tool for their membership. And they do competitions and things like that. So if something about this spoke to you, you enjoy using the platform, definitely reach out to our team and we can look at getting your organization set up with a challenge. Amazing. Love it. I have one final question. What piece of advice would you give somebody who wants to start an app today? That is a great question. I got a really good piece of advice from a development shop in Mission Beach, 20 years old, walked in and I was like, hey, here's my idea. I had this idea in college. I'm so thrilled. Let's build it. And they told me it was going to be $100,000 mm -hmm. and no chance. I didn't have like $100 at the time. But they told me to download Envision and Sketch. Now I would recommend Figma because I use that. But they allowed me to build a prototype. And then the prototype was like Dylan and I were taking that all over town for a year. I was taking it to sorority meetings and showing it to younger girls in my sorority. And they were giving me feedback on the flow. And I was taking it to businesses that Dylan was like arranging all these meetings with. And we were saying, hey, would you participate in this? If so, you know, what would that partnership have to look like to be interesting to you? And by the time that we started writing code, we had really diligenced the business and the model and even the platform and the design itself. And we were able to get something built at a much lower cost, get it out and get it into the hands of people. Building an app is a very, very long journey. And there are so many people that I talk to who want to start an app company because they like the app idea. But one thing that I find often when I'm meeting with these entrepreneurs is that there are much simpler ways to test their business where at scale, an app would be really valuable, but they could probably do it with you know, a website to start or even like a Facebook group or an Instagram, private Instagram. There are other ways to test the business, get some traction and get some people interested before you go directly to the app. 
versus us, like we were tracking physical activity, which required either a phone or a wearable. Mm -hmm. So we had to go straight to mobile. But I always advise people to try these other things before they go to the app. I think it's great advice. Uh, I think most people in business like jump too far ahead instead of like I see this with coaching. It's like literally just throw it up. See who buys. Make make yourself money first, you know? <laughs> Get paid to build. So I think that's great. Um, I just want to ask because I'm getting the nudge. So your birthday's coming up soon. I guess in like a month and a half, right? Coming up. <laughs> um, what's your word for the next year? So it's funny because I've been telling this is probably why you got the nudge. I've been telling everybody for the last two weeks that I have a new word. Except me. You haven't told me. I haven't told you yet. No, I just saw you. Okay. Um, but it's unapologetic. I love that for you. Yeah. It's a new one. It's definitely a new energy. That is a new energy for you. <laughs> it's a new energy for sure. But the word is unapologetic and not in a like brash way. Because I think unapologetic can feel brash sometimes. But unapologetic in a like love it or don't. Like this is what you're going to get <laughs> kind of energy. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty excited for it. I love that. Very, very um, fire sign of you. Very Aries of you. Wow. It's your Sag. Coming out. Your fire sign. I love that. Unapologetic. Be unapologetic Unapologetic in your wellness needs. That's what I'm going to say. So. Love it. Love it. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, how can everybody connect further with you and Visor? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. This is a blast. I think for me personally, it's just Sam Panazopoulos on all platforms. And then Visor is Visor app, except for TikTok, it's Visor.app. And then you can find it on both app stores under Visor. Perfect. Everything will be in the show notes. So everybody download it. And thanks again, Sam, for coming. Thank you. Huge thank you to Sam for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her wisdom. Don't forget to download Visor ASAP, head to the app store and get the app so you can start donating and earning rewards totally free for you. You can head to visorapp.com to learn more and also find them on Instagram at visorapp. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to take a screenshot, share it to social media, tag me, tag Sam, tag Visor. And anytime that you are using Visor, share it to your stories. When you press donate, there's an option to share that to your Instagram stories. And it's just such a great way to spread the word about this platform. It's totally free for people to use and a great way to give back. That is going to be it for today's episode. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.